Welcome to the Underground Playground Podcast. This is Episode 7 with Glenn Penley. Right. Hey, ladies and gentlemen. It's uh, Steve Bowser with the Underground Playground Podcast. Uh, today we have a very special guest, a good friend of mine I've known for many years, about what, 11, 11 12 years now, uh, Glenn Penley. Uh, I consider him a, a mentor of mine. I've actually followed uh, a lot of uh, his programming, and uh, he's been to my training facility down in South Florida several times uh, with several of his lifters from Donnie Shank, uh, uh, Travis Cooper. We've had a lot of uh, lifters come down with Glenn and had a blast and learned a lot. Um, so... We want to introduce uh, Glenn after uh, my co-host, uh, Mike Manning from uh, uh, Melbourne, Florida. Kind of give your little spiel, uh, and then we'll move forward. Awesome. Thanks, Steve. Hey, we want to welcome Glenn on here. I'm Mike Manning, and we're going to be spending about an hour talking to Glenn Penley about his start in weightlifting. Uh, and we're just going to let the conversation go wherever it is. We have Glenn Penley on the line with us. How you doing, Glenn? I'm doing good. How are you guys? Awesome. So what I wanted you to do is just kind of introduce yourself a little bit and then tell us about how you were introduced to the sport of Olympic weightlifting. Gosh, a long time ago. Um, it seems like a lifetime ago. Um, actually, my first introduction to weightlifting came at a powerlifting meet. It was kind of weird, but I made the junior world team in 1992 um, in powerlifting. I went to Moscow to compete at the Junior Worlds. And at that Junior World meet, I met Alexander Medvedev, who was, had been the head coach of the USSR team for 20 years or so. I don't know exactly, but a long time. Um, he had recently been deposed, I guess, as the head coach of the unified team. Um, they got a new coach, and he'd been fired, I guess. So he had nothing to do. We still had an office at the Sports Institute or Sports Center there in Moscow, um, but didn't really have a job. And so he kind of, he didn't really speak English, but I had two interpreters from the Moscow University. Uh, they were kind of tagging along and helping communicate. And so he kind of asked me to, you know, how far my arms stretched back, obviously trying to see if I could snatch, you know. Uh -huh. I, didn't, I had no idea. He was, was assessing my flexibility, is what he was doing. Yeah. Um, got me to squat down as far as they could, all that kind of crap. And kind of oddly, because I'm very flexible for a powerlifter. I was a high school wrestler. I uh, developed a lot of flexibility there. And I've always been very flexible, um, which is not normal for a lot of powerlifters. Right. But um, he immediately said, you could be a weightlifter. Wow. Why don't you try weightlifting? And because in, in Russia, at least at the time, Powerlifting was nothing, you know. The only sport they cared about, really, was weightlifting. Yeah. And so he thought, initially, if this guy is a strong and capable of snatching, why doesn't he do weightlifting, you know? Because if I would have been in anywhere else besides the U.S., I would have been. And that so he proceeded to teach me how to do the snatch and miniature. And I was able to stay there for a couple of weeks and train under him daily and, you know, it, it, wasn't, it was kind of a life-changing thing because it's not like he taught me how to lift, although he did introduce me to Sajid Klinger, taught me a lot. There's only so much you can do in a week or two with somebody, you know? Right. 
I feel like though that was my introduction to the sport is with him. So and how so how old were you when you were in Moscow? Well, how old were you then? I believe twenty or twenty-one. Okay, cool. Actually, maybe twenty-one. I don't know. Yeah, maybe twenty-one. So and, uh, it was a good yeah. deal. Nineteen. Yeah, so you came, when did you get back? So you spent two weeks in Moscow and then you came back and, and then how did your uh, Olympic weightlifting progress from there? Well, it, it kind of didn't for a while. And I had initially learned how to snatch, learned how to clean a jerk. I could already tell at the time the jerk was going to be a problem, which it always was for me. Um, so I'd, I'd done that, but I competed in powerlifting at that point for about two years. Mm-hmm. And I done okay. But I had, I kind of knew that the powerlifting thing, I would never be the, the uh, I'd never be the next Ed Cohen, basically. Yeah, but yeah, right. I had some goals that I wanted to achieve before I quit. Um, uh, some of the goals were, you know, I wanted to spot 800. I wanted to honor total 2,000. Um, I feel like a 2,000 total, drug free, um, without the mono lift or anything, is yeah. not too bad. It's not, it's not great, it's not outstanding, but it's, you know, it's not done furnace or, you know, whatever, but it's not, it's, a, it's not too bad. Right. But, so that was a goal I wanted to hit. Um, 2,000 total, 500 bench, um, 800 squat. I want to hit those numbers because I figured I'd, I've come this far, I'm in this sport, uh, if, I, if I quit the sport, I'll never achieve those numbers. And they're right. important to me to get. Um, and so I figured I'll, I'll do that, and then I'll switch to weightlifting. Okay. And so... It took me a couple of years to make the, and, and while I continued to, continue to train in powerlifting, I was starting to add things like extra deadlifts, uh-huh. RDLs, push presses. Did you learn that? Um, Did you learn that stuff from Medvedev or was that stuff that you yeah. thought of on your own? Yeah. No, no, it was stuff I learned from him. Good. So I started to add things that I could tell were kind of crossovers between weightlifting and powerlifting. These are things that I could do as a powerlifter, it probably helped me achieve totals I wanted to hit in powerlifting would also kind of prepare me, start the, start the process of preparing me to be weightlifter. Yeah. And so, um, so I started doing that and then life happened. Um, I had to move a couple times, ended up driving a truck for a while to make money. Um, yeah, yeah. a lot of stuff happened, you know, just life happened. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it was actually until I was like, 28 or something before I actually started training full-time in oilifting. Where did you, yeah, where were you, where did you start that? I'm sorry. Where did you start that? that Started that, I trained for a year, maybe two, in Montana when I was up getting my master's degree in Montana. And then I came back to Kansas. Um, trained for another year in Kansas, uh, might have been a year and a half, you know, the timeline back then is, this is all a long time ago, so it's kind of fuzzy, but you know, <laughs> I trained in a, in a, in a deserted railway station that my parents owned as a warehouse, um, had big oak beam floors, so great for weightlifting. Yeah. Um, it was cold as, cold as crap in the, in, you know, in uh, Kansas in the summer or in the winter, and so I had to have a space heater going. Um, to heat up the bar so I could get warm enough to train. Yeah. But I trained it, I trained there for a while and it was quite a while before I finally made it back down to Texas, which I'd lived in Texas previously. Um, 
you know, before I went, got my master's degree. Um, so I finally made it back down to Texas, um, started training in Wichita Falls, and, you know, did okay in weightlifting. Not, I actually, everybody kind of knows me, associates me with, with uh, weightlifting, but actually was far better as a tire lifter. Yeah, know? right. Actually, started, started, weightlifting, started weightlifting way, way too late. I just wasn't that talented at it, you know? My goal was always, I always figured if I could snatch 400 pounds, at that time, I believe there'd only been four people or five people, five Americans had ever snatched 400 pounds. Yeah, who is that? And so I, I, who did? Oh, I can't remember. What's his name? name um, who's, uh, you know, Shane, Shane, Shane Hammond, of course. Shane you know? Hammond, right? Uh, yeah, there's, there's a couple other ones. A couple back in the 60s um, yeah. or 70s. But, uh, but anyways, um, I wanted to be the sixth person to snatch 400 pounds. I got as far as 170. Um, I actually snatched 175 once. Um, oh. Not in the meet. But I, I got as far as 170, um, which somebody that you probably recognize actually actually lost that lift. So it's pretty, it's pretty definite that I got that. But um, I... I never got my 800. I never got my 400. 400, yeah. So I've always kind of thought, I wish I could have got that 400-pound snatch, but I never did. Um, did, it as, uh, did, did it as first of all as I could, but based on starting so damn late in life, yeah. um, having done other sports first, you know, well, but I that, just started, started getting into injuries, and I had kids. Yeah. You know? Well, but that, that's, that, that struggle – Right, that struggle that you went through is it made you a better coach, right? I mean, we've all heard the expression that you know the best athletes oh, don't always make the best coaches. It's the it's the that the good athlete that struggles that becomes a good coach. Yeah. Would you agree? And I and I firmly believe that. I think that most people I've known that are just naturally great athletes, a lot of times they get they get they get ahead in spite of their coaching or self coaching. I guess you'd say. Yeah. Um, they get ahead in spite of that because they're just so damn good, you know. Yeah, genetics. They're just so yeah. damn extra good when they get ahead no matter what. But the person that has to struggle like crazy to be adequate, you know, to be decent is the person that probably makes a, a great coach. Absolutely. And, like and that, that, kind of sounds self, that kind of sounds self-serving even to myself for saying that because that kind of describes me. I had to really struggle to be okay, you know. And so, of course, I'm going to say that that's the person that makes the best coach, but it sounds reasonable to me. Well, that's, that's true in, in that the lessons that you learned didn't come easy. And so they stuck. And your ability to pass them on then at that point is really the definition of a coach, right? Yeah. And one thing I always say to people like that I've coached in the past, like, you know, you guys like Donna Shankel or Travis Cooper, you know, whoever, is that I took so long to learn this stuff I'm teaching you guys. By the time I learned it well enough to succeed doing it, I was too late for me. Yeah. The golden window had passed. You know, it was too, too, it was, I was too old. You know, it took me 10 years to learn it. Unfortunately, the time when I should have known it was 10 years earlier. Yeah. But I think the, the best a coach can do, the best thing a coach can do is decrease the time. You know, let a guy like, say, Travis Cooper take advantage of your mistakes. You know, so they don't have to learn them over this uh, again for themselves. Right. So that just takes too much time. There's, there's, the athletic career is too short. Yeah. And so they don't have time to go through all those mistakes. 
You know, that's the most thing a, a coach can do for an athlete, I think. Absolutely. That's, yeah, decreasing that learning curve and that time to, um, you know, success is really what it's all about. I mean, but you're talking about, too, you know, the, the sport selects the athlete, right? And uh, a lot of these guys that are just genetically gifted – and I, that may be the problem in USA weightlifting, and maybe you could speak to that, you know, is that, our, you know, everybody knows this, but our genetically gifted athletes aren't selecting weightlifting, right? They're, uh, they're doing it for conditioning, uh, but they're playing football and baseball and basketball. And uh, I think uh, if you could speak to that with, uh, you know, and then how CrossFit and, you know, the garage gym – and the internet has really opened the door for USA weightlifting. I think that all that's true. And I think that we are starting to see some of the, I'd say genetic elite people, you know, that used to all go into football or all go into basketball um, or whatever, baseball, whatever, the big money sports. Now we're starting to see a few of those people, very few, very few, but a few yeah. um, come to us. And we've started to have success. And I've said, probably, maybe Stephen remembers me saying this, but probably said this for years, that in America, everything kind of is controlled by money. And the yes. money's there, the efforts will follow. Right. So when the sport becomes a tough deal, that the money is there, we'll be instantly good. And that's kind of what's happened. Now the crossroads come involved. I've got a whole new group of people, a huge group, doing a thing. That's all it's ever taken for we, us to be good at something. Because I firmly guarantee that if you had the 10 best genetic examples of people that could be lifters in America, we'd be world champions. No doubt. We'd, we'd, have, we'd, have America, we'd have world records. We'd have all gold medalists in the Olympics. We just don't have those people. I believe our genetic heritage, I'd say, I guess that's the right word for it, in the USA is so varied. You know, that we are going to have the people that are the best. We're going to have the people that have the potential to be the best. We just have to get those people interested in the sport. Well, like you, you brought up the, the big topic. I mean, the elephant in the room is the money. I had a, a friend of mine who was a coach in my gym, a really good Olympic weightlifter, but he was also on uh, – he was an alternate on the U.S. Olympic bobsled team. And uh, right. he, he was trying to make a comeback in bobsled – and, uh, you know, the, the amount of money, he, he just couldn't afford it, right? I mean, he was working a full-time job, training people, and also, uh, you know, he had to travel up to Lake Placid for the trials, and, and the, the money just wasn't there. I don't know that CrossFit is going to bring the money to the Olympic weightlifters, but I definitely see a resurgence in, with sponsorships and a lot of the equipment companies and a lot of the uh, supplement companies and things like that. And now with, you know, CBS is on board with CrossFit and the, who knows, Olympic weightlifting is really getting uh, some, some limelight, so to speak, which may definitely attract, uh, you know, sponsors. So I, I don't know. What do you think about that? I think you're right on track. I think, yeah, sponsorships are going to be a big deal. Um, if there is enough potential young kids, they're going to buy shoes say for example because their favorite weightlifter wears those shoes there will be sponsorship money flowing to the lifters you know it's you know it's, it's common sense to me um and i know if there's enough money there will be because you know football of course that's always gonna be the big the big money 
sport. Right. A few people can make 10 million bucks a year playing football. A few people. Yeah. You know, like five, you know. But yeah. there are a ton of people that could help us get to the top in weightlifting that could make a comfortable living, you know, probably not six figures or maybe so, I don't know, but a comfortable living doing weightlifting. And there's something innate about lifting weights that this is a sport we shouldn't have to sell. Right. It sells itself. Every eight year old kid I've ever seen loves to pick up a barbell and put it over his head. Every eight year old boy I've ever seen in my life. And, and girl. a lot of girls too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And girls too. But every single one has an innate desire to see how strong they are. True. And there's nothing to demonstrate strength better than picking up a bar, putting it over your head. And so that well, the short sport should sell itself. Well, you, you know, know or it I, does. I, I know from uh, owning a gym uh, for a long time at a USA weightlifting club in, in my area, we don't have uh, scholastic weightlifting. Some of the counties that surround us here in central Florida, they do. So you have kids in, um, you know, junior high school, high school that are being exposed to uh, the clean and jerk. They're not doing the snatch scholastically, but they're doing a clean and jerk and bench press here in Florida. Uh, and then you've got all these CrossFit affiliates with, you know, you've got soccer moms now who are doing snatches. And they're right. watching, and they're watching videos of CJ Cummings, and they're watching right. videos of you know the worlds and and the uh, youth nationals, and they're seeing and they're looking at this stuff on YouTube, and they're getting bitten by the bug, and they really they absolutely love right. it. The problem is, I think, is that um, the like if you look at the big sports in the Olympics, uh, like USA Soccer, right? And, uh, you right. know, of course, swimming and stuff like that. A lot of that money comes from, you know, private corporation and, uh, you know, USA, you know, the Olympic uh, teams actually soliciting money. I think the awareness alone of weightlifting is going to pick up so that now you're going to get some corporate people uh, that are going right. to don donate money so that these athletes can actually train and, and, you know, make it out to the training center. Right. And they can actually afford right. to eat, eat healthy right instead of top right. ramen noodles all day right right well i think the you know the first company to participate in that was an old company muscle driver usa and so they're out of business they went bankrupt um mm. but they started the whole thing of supporting athletes right That's something that even though muscle driver was bad in a lot of ways they were supporting a lot of athletes with pretty big segments. We had seven or eight guys getting either a thousand or fifteen hundred a month. That's not bad from USA. Well, no, from uh, Muscle Driver. Yeah. Now most of those guys, like Travis Cooper, were getting fifteen hundred from Muscle Driver, then another fifteen hundred from USA Weightlifting. That's yeah, a kind of month. Yeah, That's you can live on that. He yeah, you, on you can live yeah, on that definitely. for sure. Yeah, no doubt about. It. I mean that you know then. It's it's not the big uh, you know the Nike or the Reebok um, you know shoe no. sponsorship, but hey, no, special. but but it, it's a it's a lifeline to a sport that has not had any money in it forever, you know, and so it's a chance for people to train. They really love the sport, and I've always said the sport should and could sell itself. Everyone loves the weights naturally. Yeah, everyone loves to see how strong they are, and so. You know, it's not a sport that should need a lot of pushing to get people interested. It's a cool sport. 
Absolutely. I mean, it makes it makes for good viewing, excitement. You know, my my first. You know, if you think about um, back in the day, um, Puris Demas and stuff. I mean, just if you go back and watch some of those videos, man, how can you not get excited, right? Just watching the the sheer yeah. spectacle, the drama of it, and you know the excitement and just the energy that was put out. And I think you know, once a lot of people they start seeing this stuff, I think it's it's turning a corner for sure. Right. Hey, you guys cool. hear me? Yep. Hey, Steve. Good. Yeah, he, he's back. Steve had, had a, Steve, Steve, had a, Steve had to take a break. He kind of disappeared from our radar for a minute. And so Glenn was <laughs> talking about Olympic weightlifting. And what I wanted to ask when Steve got back on is, uh, I know Steve trained with Glenn a whole bunch. And uh, I wanted Steve to talk to Glenn a little bit about that whole scenario and how that went. Well, you know, the funny thing is when uh, when we started when we first started doing CrossFit like 11, 12 years ago, I think obviously the the most, uh, in my opinion, um, the most difficult part of CrossFit, especially for a lot of people like me that came from a powerlifting background. I never cleaned. I never I never did a cleaning jerk. I never did a snatch. I mean, I did some power cleans, but, you know, to, to start doing full snatch or full clean and jerk, you know. It, it was something that we had no freaking idea what the hell we were doing. I mean, I, I was all day long deadlift, man, deadlift, back squat, pressing. But when we started doing CrossFit and they started throwing these workouts in there with a lot of snatch, clean, and jerk, you know, the gymnastic stuff, you know, let me tell you, like the muscle ups and all that, I didn't even think that was as difficult as doing the clean and jerk and a snatch. So what had ended up happening is once we got into the CrossFit scene and started recognizing that these movements were not easy, we wanted to sort out like the best around to teach us how to how to do these movements. So that's kind of how I uh, I ended up linking up with Glenn. Um, and at the time, I think Glenn, you I think you just happened to be moving out to uh, to California to do the Cal Strength thing. Um, so yeah, I so. Uh, yeah. So I, I kind of reached out to you and. Um, and and that's how the relationship started. I mean, originally I I met you, I talked to you because I bought my first bars. <laughs> I didn't cut any corners, man. I bought penlay bars. So right. you know, that's how I first started talking to you. But then we sought you out to come down and teach some clinics. I don't even know if you were really doing clinics back then. I was like, no, man, you need to come down here. I got people that need your help. <laughs> so I think that was one of the first I did. The first ones I did. <clears throat> so yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I've been back what two or three times. Exactly. Two and we, it was is is really enlightening. Um, the cool part about it is it wasn't only for my gym members. You know, there was tons of uh, other people in the area from other CrossFit gyms and other strength and conditioning gyms that came in to learn uh, from you. You know, and I think the first time you came down, it, it, I think it was John North that you brought. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. And then um, you brought uh, Shankle, Johnny Shankle, and um, last time I came down, I got I brought Travis Cooper, I think. The what now? Right, Travis Cooper. The last time, yeah, Travis Cooper, yeah, absolutely, yeah, it was. Travis came down with you, and um, you know, it was very enlightening. It, it made you know put everything into perspective as far as how to do the lifts, breaking them down from the different positions and stuff like that, because, you know, nobody ever taught us. And then when you got in there and taught us how to do this, it just, it really, it really helped a lot. Um, 
You know, don't get me wrong. I mean, Mike Bergener does an excellent job, just a different method. Um, he did an excellent, he does an excellent job. And, and we, we actually had him come down and do the, the Olympic sir. And it was awesome. Um, I really just took a likening, liking to the way you taught the movements and followed your programming for a long time. And, uh, and it, and it just, it was amazing. It was amazing. Um, so one thing I wanted to ask you, and I, I don't know if you guys covered this because unfortunately I got cut off. Um, your, your current programming is like a conjugate style. So, so you kind of link in a way. It is. In a way it is. Um, but I think, I really think that there's two very distinct, but different things you have to achieve to be a good weightlifter. One is getting strong. That's completely different process and motor patterns. Okay, so I think Louie does a very good job of separating those things, two things out um, and uh, challenging them on different days of the week, which for an intermediate lifter, which is most of the people that I coach, um, I think it's pretty important to separate those two things out so you can do whatever is going to achieve each one uh, by itself uh, on a certain day. And so that's kind of how I program. Um, we have, we concentrate really heavily on snatch and cleaning jerk. I've always done it that way before I, you know, always done it that way. Um, we don't do a lot of snatch like things that are light. We don't do overhead squats really very much at all. We don't do drop snatches very much at all. Yeah. You know, there, was just, like coach, there was just a conversation how about, how about on that. There was just a conversation on that about – I think you were talking about overhead squats or um, um, Steve down in Texas uh, was talking about overhead squats. That was on, like, one of the affiliate forums. How, how useful are they and who's really doing it? Yeah, CrossFitters do way more overhead squats than weightlifters do. CrossFitters yeah. made overhead squats a big thing. Weightlifters right. never was with it. So if you're talking to weightlifters coming over squats, they said, what? You know, we don't do those. Right. Because yeah. standing up with a snatch is never a rate-limiting step. You catch it and you stand up with it. It's not, a, it's not a thing that limits how much you can lift, or very, very rarely. Yeah. I mean, almost yeah. never. And so yeah. we're, we're in a pull, pulling a heavier weight over your head. Standing up with it is kind of a foregone conclusion, unless it's a real odd problem. So I think CrossFitters tend to pay more attention to over squats. But with weightlifting, um, I can do the lifts, the lifts, and more lifts, the snatch and clean jerk, and drill those again and again and again and again. You know, a lot of volume on the actual classical snatch, classical clean jerk, competitive movements. Um, then we try to get it strong. And that's yeah. pretty much all there is to it. You know, um, I've got several. Things I like to do to get strong. Um, uh, I, I do squats, I do deadlifts, stuff like that. But I think the the main thing I remember at some point in the future about my contributions to the, the training systems of weightlifters. I'd really liked it to be that I very much advocated separating out building motor patterns with building strength. Yeah. You know, because those two things have to be separate. In your mind, yeah, it can't right. be approached as the same thing. Right. There's certain 
certain type of thing that is really, really geared towards building motor patterns. It's necessary. And there's certain things that's geared towards strength. Yeah. Motor patterns, doing it over and over and over again. Repetition is, big, is the biggest thing. How many times did you do a snatch? You're snatching 100 kilos. How many reps did you do with 100 kilos? Six singles, 12 singles, right. 100 singles. You have to do it a certain number of times for that motor pattern to really, really become embedded. That's right. all important. With gaining strength, the important thing is progression. It doesn't matter how much time you do it. Who cares how many times you squat at a certain weight? It's not, it's not relevant. The only thing is, did what you did in your squat workout today make you stronger? That's all that's relevant. Yeah. Did this workout make you squat more or deadlift more? Right. Or push trust more. We're talking about strength. Those are the three things that really matter. Absolutely. Um, it's very different from motor patterns. Motor patterns, all that matters is repetition builds motor patterns. With strength, while we're, on that, while we're on that subject, Glenn, real quick, don't mean to cut you off, but, uh, no. you know, I spent, I spent a week up at Westside Barbell um, hanging out with, uh, with Glenn. Um, I'm sorry, excuse me, with uh, Lou Simmons and his crew and uh, – you know, listen, I mean, it was a, it was probably the most, I, I never, I really did learn a ton of stuff about uh, the conjugate system and mostly accessory movements. Chris Mason's one of the guys that really helped me out a lot and uh, he's very knowledgeable with powerlifting. Now, they like to use a lot of bands and a lot of chains when it comes to, you know, their uh, dynamic pulls and all that stuff. And I, and I got to tell you, man, when, <laughs> They threw some bands on the bar, and they had guys doing some uh, some cleans and some snatches. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. All right. So, uh, yeah, we're going that way. So, okay. I, I got to be honest with you, man. Like, I look, I'm not a competitive weightlifter, all right? I'm not – you're not going to catch me doing any crazy, uh, you know, competitive weightlifting uh, meet. Um, but I can tell you this, you know, one thing I did enjoy is, first of all, I love doing bands on, on deadlifts. I actually really thought, and it doesn't have to be crazy heavy bands. I thought doing banded power cleans were friggin' amazing. Now, now when you start getting into the full clean or I, I, even a snatch and you start doing bands on, it's a little like I kind of, it, it's a little weird and almost, I'd say dangerous because I don't, you know, people start getting their egos involved and they start trying to put all this heavy band tension and weight on the bar. What's your thoughts about using bands for, for weightlifting? Because I know a lot of people got really pissed off and they, they were going nuts when they seen someone. Uh, I even think one of them was, uh, I don't know if it was Travis Cooper or uh, who's the other kid that you were training that was a uh, um, really good lifter. Um, I can't remember. But, Tatum. Who? Tatum went up to the yeah. gym with me. Yes, 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 Tatum. So people started freaking out and uh, saying, oh, you're going to, you know, you're, you're, you're fucking up the whole movement pattern. You know, the bar path is off. You're, you know, there's no use for that. What, hearing straight from your mouth, what are your thoughts on using bands to help with weightlifting, whether it be accessory or it be the main lifts? What's your thoughts on it? I think it is a tool. If you use it right, it can be a real advantage. Um, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of uh, astounded by how weightlifting and weightlifters, probably more coaches than athletes, because I, I don't think athletes would have a big thing about it. As far as into coaching, though, instantly, it's 
adopt a whole different attitude. Um, but switches hate Louis Simmons. I've never quite heard out why, but they hate Louis Simmons. It's like it's like a, a vampire on garlic, you know? They hate him. <laughs> they don't even know why. They hate well, him. Well, I can tell you, you know, one and, reason why. I could, I, yeah, one reason why, Glenn, is because the guy had – he listen, he tells you how he feels. And and when even when we were up there, he made it very clear. He's like, listen, you know, we we suck in the United States as a weightlifting, you know, competitive weightlifting because of this or because of that. Like he has his opinion, and I think that pisses off a lot of the weightlifting coaches. And let let me tell you something, man. We got some freaking really good Olympic weightlifting coaches in this country. But he just tells it how it is. He tells it how it is, and he basically pisses everybody off. And that is one of the reasons why I think a lot of people hate yeah. him. Oh, yeah, that's, that's one of the reasons why. Of course, that's the reason why. Louis doesn't pull punches. Um, and I'll say this. He is wrong about certain things. Of course. And when he gets into discussion about what, with weightlifters, there are some things about weightlifting he just doesn't understand. Because he's right. never yes. done enough weightlifting. Yes. He's never coached a high-level weightlifter. If he did, Louis is our guy. I'm pretty sure that would take him about one workout. Say, yeah, I wouldn't quite how I thought it was. You know, yeah. this is a little different than I thought. You know, it wouldn't take him long. He's not a stupid yeah. ass. You know, I mean, he would, he would figure it out. But a lot of those coaches say, oh, he's wrong about this. And they just, it's like they want to catch him in a, a, a screw up. You know, they, I, don't, I just don't understand their, their, their thinking about that. Um, when I look at somebody like Louis Simmons, I think, who knows? This is somebody that might have something that we don't know. It might be a way to get stronger. Right. I'm all, I'm all thinking, like, this might be a, a way to make me bench press 10 more pounds. Wait a minute, snatch 10 more pounds. You know, at heart, most of us that are weightlifters are at heart just like the 12-year-old wanting to put 100 pounds over his head instead of 105. You know? We just want to be strong. You know, we just want to be strong. Well, if we lose that... Instead, we get into politics and being mad at Louis Simmons because he didn't do things right or, or you know, whatever. How kind of we lose something? We lose something. Well, there's something so we to be to go gained. Back yeah. Say, there's something yeah, to be gained from stronger. everybody. No, if the goal is to get stronger, this guy should have a, figured out some things that work. Let's use that. And that's always how I've approached Louis, kind of knowing that because I know about weightlifting and he doesn't, there are a couple of things that he's just kind of wrong about. You know, and me and yeah. Louis What's have, he? What do you? What do you think he's wrong about, Glenn? I mean, I, I definitely believe you. Oh, I mean, like, what are some really of the things? Think, well, let's see. I think the one that I can really uh, think of quickly here is he doesn't see any reason why what somebody should have to snatch a full snatch. Huh. Couldn't they just get, get a power snatch? Once they get a power snatch enough, they just yeah. gonna go under. You know. He doesn't understand that doing a full snatch is a 100% different thing than a power snatch. Yeah. It's just different. If you don't learn how to snatch it all the way and carry it low, you're never going to be able to do it. Who thinks that you should never train a full sure. snatch? You should just power snatch. Get as strong as you can power snatch. In the meat, you'll be able to drop under it for five more kilos. You know? <laughs> Maybe he wants so. He does he want people to, well, does he want people to overhead squat when? <laughs> Yeah. He doesn't understand why that won't work. Well, that, like, that I don't really hold that again. Yeah, that's that, a weightlifter. 
Well, that brings up the whole argument with the low bar and the high bar and Mark Ripito, you know, and, and for the same reasons that people hate Louis Simmons, I think they hate Mark Ripito for the same reason. I love the guy, but, you know, he, he, his thing is getting novices strong. And, you know, people argue all day long about overhead squats, low bar, high bar. And I think what you're speaking to is that, you know, there's things we can learn and there are things that work and, and it's just a tool in your toolbox. Am I wrong? Yeah. If you're strong or strong, you know, yeah. I guess I, I, yeah, if you're strong or strong and Louis Simmons has some things that help make you strong. And sometimes it's a simple way you think about training, you know, that helps um, open up your mind a little bit to pursue new things that makes you strong. But, you know, Louis Simmons has, I believe, taught me a lot. I started talking to him in 1990, 91, a long wow. time ago. I started talking to Louis. You know, when I started talking to him, um, I talked to him literally every single day on the phone for between the 10 minutes and an hour for probably months on, months on end. Yeah. Literally. So I figured at some point he would just say, Glenn, don't call me anymore. <laughs> just don't call me anymore. Right. Yeah. But he, he always asked my questions. There's always something new to ask him about and talk about. And, you know, I was just a, you know, just a kid that wanted to, wanted to be strong. Yeah. You know? And well, that's he was willing to talk about it, that's, et cetera, that's a, et cetera. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's an amazing thing is that, you know, a lot of, you know, the coaching industry and, and the coaching world and a lot of these icons of coaching – if you get to know them, you'll realize that they're, they're more than happy to share their time, energy, and knowledge with you. All we have to do really is ask and be open to it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny, but um, <laughs> this is one we of the things the I, you know, I, one of the things that actually, because as, as you know, I used to be friends with Mark Ripito, and that's one of the things that for the longest time, I would talk about Louis Simmons to him, and he would say, "How did you get started talking to him?" I said, "I just called him one day." Yeah. Said, Why you just called him? Said, yeah. <laughs> his number was in powerlifting yesterday. Yeah. And so I called him, and his wife answered the phone. Doris answered the phone, and I said, "Louis there?" And she said, "Yes." And so I said, "Louis got on and talked to me." And now we're like an hour phone conversation. And he never could yeah. figure that out. He never could. Why did you just call him? And I said, "Well, I just, <laughs> just want to know. I had a question." And he got always. Yeah was really 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 uh hung up on the fact i just called him so but by by hung up do you mean butthurt <laughs> yeah i think so oh no no but he no not like that i mean he uh he, he kind of never could figure that out like how what would make me just up out of the blue call somebody that i'd read an article by you know like that was some kind of a crazy thing yeah you know? Well, and I, I don't quite know why, but it was, it's, you know, I guess, who knows. But I talked to, you know, Mark about what I was doing because I heard it from Louie. And, you know, we set up bands in, in uh, Wichita Falls Athletic Club and, you know, all kinds of different things. Um, actually did snatches with bands on the, on the bar for the first time there. Yeah. Um, How long ago was that? To, uh, Oh gosh, in the '90s, sometime. Um, so, so you were snatches. So you were using. So you were using the uh, bands with snatches back in the '90s. You tried it. Yeah. Oh yeah. The first time I did bands, snatches bands was maybe maybe '90. 
five. That's amazing. Uh, I can't really, but but then I, then I I went up to the OTC and took the bands with me, and I think I was out there. I can't remember. It could have been a training camp. Could have been something else. Um, I was out there and I was I was trying to talk to one of the one of the guys out there. I said, "This is really cool. It's a weird. It's a it's a weird sensation." makes the bar come down on you way, way faster than normal. Yeah. You know? And I put the little red bands, the, the live swans on the bar, <laughs> and did a stance of like 100 kilos and asked him to do it. This is a guy that's a pretty good snatcher. The first thing he did was hit himself in the head. <laughs> I would love to see that. Got a big goose forehead. Wow. And that destroyed any hope yeah. of having anybody at the yeah. yeah, pretty much at that, that level. If you, if you smash somebody in the head with a barbell, that's it. We're yeah. done. Especially the goose egg on the forehead, you know, which yeah. it did. Yeah. It did. It didn't knock him yeah. out, but it made a big goose egg. It was ugly looking. And so <laughs> everyone kind of missed that. Dangerous. Too dangerous. Yeah. But, but Hey, Glenn, who, I, were, I, who, who are you training now? Who, who are you training now? And are you, um, any of them, are they going to be going to the Olympic Training Center or anything like that? Well, there is no Olympic Training Center now. There is, well, yeah, there is yeah, no. Like, that's right, right. You know what I mean. Yeah, are there, yeah that's true. I, I spoke too soon. I, I've, I've got a couple of lifters. Um, I think my couple of new ones. Um, one, name is Chris Dobbs. Dobbs, D-O-B-B-S? Um, he is a, Yes. K-R-I-S. Right, Chris. Yeah, K I've heard that heard that yeah. name already. He is a he is a fanatical fantastically strong guy. Um he's just started weightlifting. But yet he has snatched in his first maybe eighteen months in a sport, he's on a fifty one ninety. Wow. How old so is he? Uh he's he's not young. He's in either to late late twenties or maybe in thirty. I can't remember. Is he a CrossFit? So he's not young. He was. He's been sport through CrossFit. But he's a legitimate legitimate talent. Right. And because guys that are that big, guys that are going to be super heavy, you see, eventually, they can usually gain and go and improve until they're thirty five, sometimes even forty. Yeah. Tarnenko got a, a silver or a gold, uh, sorry, bronze medal in the Olympics when he was forty three. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And so. So you can you can gain and have it hold a high level of performance if you're a super heavy, so quite late in life. If you're a see, nine kilo lifter, you can't do that. Right, exactly. If you're going to weigh 300 pounds or 350 pounds, you might be able to keep getting better and better and higher and higher total until you're, you know, maybe even 35, and so or even I'll pass that. So this guy Chris Dobbs is a super nice guy, um, pipeline worker. But he's committed to training, um, coming to a, to a camp here in Kansas, um, and uh, going to do like ten days of turning ass off and see what happens. But I yeah. think he's going to be a big lifter. I think he's going to uh, be a good lifter. Yeah, dude, I, I've actually seen him. I'm, I'm looking him up right now, and uh, he, dude, he's a big kid. Not not a kid. He but he's a he's a big boy. When he moves. He sent me some videos of when he had trained for like a year. When he snatches 
150 kilos, you could swear the bar is 110 kilos. He just is so powerful. He moves the bar like it's way lighter than it is. Oh, way lighter than it is. So he's a, he's a strong guy. He's going to be good. Then another guy I got uh, here recently is Sal Badali. Um, I just spelled that. He actually, B A D A L I. Okay. First name is Sal. I'm sure, it's short, short for Salvador. Yeah. But S A L B A D L B A D A L I. Cool. Now he has lifted for a year or two, and he actually competed at the thir- uh, 2013 Nationals. I believe he cleaned jerk 190 there. That's awesome. Power jerk. Wow. Hey, Power jerk. Yeah. Hey, Glenn, before, down we, uh, before, we, before we start getting too far away from it, there was a couple other questions I wanted to talk to you about as far as the bands. Um, you said it's a useful tool. Um, can you kind of elaborate a little bit more on it? Like how, if I were to start implementing band work on my clean, clean and jerk and snatch, I mean, what would you, what would you suggest that I do? I mean, just to, to do it the right way, obviously keep it light and not try to, you know, match that. Well, first off, let me, let me finish talking about Sal real quick. He's in his twenties, but he has really real potential. He could be a, a very, he could be a lifter, both Sal and Chris Dobbs could both be on the world team. They, they have potential. Yeah. They have potential. Very big potential. Um, Sal's coming down to 94. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're two great great guys and great lifters. Um, well, then another band. Okay. Sal. Band. Well, Sal, well, hey. Okay, I'm sorry. But while you're still – but before – just so you know, Sal, how did he end up doing in the uh, American Open in Dallas? I, I mean uh, – or, or, I mean, uh, not he, Dallas. He, he, t- he competed in 2013 National. 2013 National. Uh, I don't really remember him doing an American Open. Um, but he did 2013 Nationals. So he did third at that meet at 105. I believe that total included a 190 cleaner, but third at 105. Um, now I believe um, the snatch is a weak point, but I think he's going to be a 150 snatcher. Um, I've always produced good snatchers, so hopefully he'll that magic will wear off on him. Um, but he's a strong guy. He's a very strong guy. He's like a 600 plus squatter, so he's a strong, a strong guy. Um, we'll make something good out of him. He'll be a good lifter. And then the, what was the next topic? We were talking about the bands, right? Well, oh, I wanted to I wanted to finish up uh, the topic of the bands. Like you you had said that it they could be useful as a tool. Bands. So the, so the bands, um, when everybody starts talking about bands, they initially assume that you have to snatch with them or clean with them. Yeah. And everyone always says, my God, that's going to be dangerous. That's going to kill something. Um, I would say, no, it's not going to. Weightlifting um, no. is not without certain danger itself. We don't say that because we don't scare people off. But, you know, weightlifting is not, you know, there's always going to be some element of risk when you lift a heavy weight over your head. Um, I would say, though, that people do amazingly well getting out of the way. Um, most, I have done sets of bands. My Sabbath bands did EMOM sets of bands. Um, so I was almost as tired as I was going to puke and yet yeah, still lifted. Um, I've used the bands in every available uh, application. I've never hurt myself. 
Yeah. No look that I've coached has ever hurt themselves. Um, let me ask you a real. Me, let me ask you a quick question while you're let, on that. Let, let, let me let me get done with that. So to me, okay. the clean with fans is far far more risky. Snatch. Uh-huh. If you miss a snatch, if you have two cents in your head, you're gonna get out of the way. Uh-huh. You know, okay. it's not hard to get out of the way, or else you live a very short life in snatch. But snatch, it's kind of a, it's it's not it's not hard to get out of the way. And the clean, yeah. however, you have people sometimes drop the bar on their thigh, Bozer. Yeah. and that tends to cause a wrist injury. Yeah. So I'm more, happen. I'm more leery of dropping the bar with bands on your on your clean than snatch. For Correct. me, I, I snatched yeah. bands a ton of time uh, before I ever did a clean with bands. You know, yeah. that to me seems risky. But neither one has ever produced an injury in me or anyone I've coached. Um, yeah. I just don't think it will. It's just not. I don't think it's all that more, much more risky than snatching itself. Um, sure. But how to say that then? To say you're going to train with fans does not mean you have to snatch with fans yeah. or clean with fans. Right. It does mean that pulls with fans are phenomenally effective. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Are pretty damn effective. You know. Yeah. I don't see how most people can have that much objection to those things. But I will say this. Once you do polls with fans for a while, if you're anything like me, you'll start getting, I wonder how that's to feel with a snatch. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and yeah. the poll, the snatches or planes of fans, the full list of them, is a really, really weird thing. Sure. Do you think no, it messes up the timing? Do you think it messes up the timing or the bar no, path? No, I don't. It's not, it's not that the bar is hard to get up. Of course, it adds a little bit of weight to the bar. But the main difference is it pulls the bar back down on you much, much faster. Yeah. Right. And so it makes you get the hell under the bar way faster than normal. Way faster. Yeah. That's like the biggest you problem with have, beginners. Yeah, exactly. Um, I've seen Chancellor's Bands once or twice put 10 kilos on someone's snatch immediately. Yeah. The thing is, you don't have to use bands constantly to have the effect. Right. A lot of times, you only have to do the workout once to have the effect. Once your so, body feels that it can move faster, it will. You can train without bands at all yeah. for weeks on end, and you still have the improvement. You know? So, so explain, explain the whole concept of bands. Like, Lou Simmons does an excellent job explaining how you know obviously as the band uh, as you pull as the bar goes higher you know you have to actually start speeding up because the more the band stretches the harder it's going to be so like i love using bands for like snatch high pulls or or uh, rdls or any kind of deadlifting squatting like you said uh, even power snatch power clean um but you're right. You know, if people bite off more than they can chew and they're using bands and they're trying to do full cleans, full snatch, I mean, it's kind of, they got to be careful because obviously they got to catch the bar in the right position and the bar is getting pulled back down into them. And if they don't hit it in the right spot, it's, you know, they better get out of the way. They don't want to spin their elbow into their knee or, or uh, obviously uh, have a bar hit them in the head. And, uh, like you, you were talking about your buddy, uh, someone that your gym did. No, it was the OTC. Yeah. I don't think it was my buddy for that. I got gotcha. you. Awesome. So but, yeah, no, that explains that explains um the band a little bit. The bands just 
the bands just make lift harder the higher you raise the bar. Um, usually, there's a mechanical advantage increases as you pull the bar towards lockout. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's harder to pull um, when you're almost locked out than it is off the floor. So right. the, the bands make that mechanical advantage go away, basically. And momentum, um, right? That's the best. Having been said, um, the biggest thing is not that. The biggest thing is at the very top of the pole, like where the explosion phase is in the snatcher clean, they make that so much harder. It's like twice as hard. You have to develop a whole new mindset finishing the pole. The amount of force you have to produce to finish that pole successfully. Whole new mindset. And that carries over. Once you've done that four or five times, take the bands off and pull, suck the bar just floating. There's no reason resistance at all. The bar just floats up. It completely changes the way your, your muscles fire. Um, but as far as that saying the bands change the pull, change the bar path, no, I don't think so. I've never found that. Never found that. The one thing the bands might do is straighten out the bar path. Maybe, a little bit. I've never found that to be, to be hurtful. Yeah. Um, it, to me, I feel like it almost gets pers a person in a better habit. We want the bar path to be fairly straight. If your bar path is not straight, then it's going to interfere with any deviation. Well, what about, to, what oh, about, so one of the controversies is, you know, the whole catapult, we, we could, I'm not going to name any names, but, what, you know, what, if, does, if, what does catapult mean? Exactly. Well, what does that mean? Exactly. Well, I mean, you what know, what, what I'm talking about from a from a beginner level, a basic level, um, I think what people are talking about when they talk about catapult is the, uh, you know, when you watch a video and you see it, it appears as though somebody is bouncing the bar off their hips and it comes outside your base and kind of loops up into the receiving position, uh, that whole, you know, but, driving your hips forward. I but, think but that's what people think it is. Now you're now you're talking about something completely different, right? Yeah, exactly. I know yeah. Macaulay. Well, that's I my point. Macaulay. Okay, I didn't want to say the, it, but you person, said it. Let's, wait a second. Wait a second. <laughs> yeah. The person that invented the term catapult, I know him quite well. Um, I don't think he can even define what catapult means. Right. No one knows what that term means, including Don. It's a senseless term. Totally nonsense term. It doesn't mean what he thinks it means or anything else because he hasn't figured out himself what it means. I agree. Um, yeah. But it definitely, it definitely doesn't mean bouncing the bar off your thigh up to around your arms or whatever. Right. And I'm trying to relate this. Yeah. I'm trying to just relate this to like, so, so if there are people out there that are actually doing this, right. And they're using bands, what's going on now, right? If you, if you're trying to, if you're trying to use bands and then well, and you're actually yeah. trying to use a catapult, let's think about the physics of this. Okay. But that's what, that's, that's what I'm kind of trying to demonstrate when I said, what is catapult? Right. No one knows. Right. You described one thing that you think it means. I would say, no, it doesn't mean that. But I can't tell you what it does mean. It's, yeah, it's I'm, not a a, term I'm not a fan. Has a, yeah. It has no meaning. The term catapult has no meaning. And so what I think Don thinks it means, which doesn't make any more sense than what we're saying, what he thinks it means is something to do with um, not driving up on the toe. Ah. What Don really believes catapult means is you don't drive up on the toe 
to finish the pull. You okay. finish the pull on the on the heel of your foot, on the finish, flat-footed finish. I kind of like that. That's what you think. Yeah. That's what he thinks it means. I don't think it means that technically at all. I mean, I'd talk to him and say, what about the word catapult means not going up on your toe? He can't, he can't come up with any reason why that should mean that. I mean, so, no can. so in it's your it's in, a nonsense. Yeah. In your opinion then, so that this argument goes back and forth all day long, just like the low bar, high bar when, uh, so do you come up on your toes when you're finished with your pull, your second pull, or are you, coming up on your toes and then finishing your second pole? Um, the second pole starts with the repositioning of the knees and it ends at the, at the end of the pole. I mean, what, you, you're aware that there is a point in the, in the, when the bar's on the thigh at some place, usually above the knee, um, about halfway between the knee joint and the thigh. Or, sorry, knee joint and the hip joint, right? Yep. Some place in there, knees go forward, your knees reposition under the bar, going forward, and then your whole body extends. Right. Okay? Yeah. The second pole is that whole body extension after the knees have been repositioned. Um, that's what the second pole is. Okay, now what was the other question you asked? Well, that's, you, you know, how to, yeah, no, just how that, how that relates oh, to... Are, are you are you coming up on your toes as as the finish of the second pole, or does coming on your toes is that a consequence of finishing from your heels in the second pole and well the repositioning well, of feet? There's, there's a couple things. There's a couple things I can say. To that number one, coming up on your toes is not 100 percent necessary right. to do the snatch and clincher. There have been world records set where the person doesn't come up on their toes at all. Okay. It's not 100%, 100% necessary. Um, on the other hand, most people get a minor, minor increase in performance for one or two reasons when they do come up on the toes. One reason could be um, it adds to the pull. Your calf, your gastroc um, pushes up. You, you, you use that energy. Yeah. To help propel the bar up, bar up. Other thing that could happen, probably does to some degree, is that the extension of your calf, extension of your foot, pushes you backwards. Yep. Changes your position on the horizontal plane, or allows you to influence the bar to a different position on the on a horizontal plane. Yeah. One of those things happen for most people, and that allows them to snatch better or clean better. I think it, is, it probably has more to do with snatch. That was the one where it's more of, it's more, uh, uh, what's the right word here? It's more uh, sensitive to horizontal change. Yeah. Horizontal change. So the one thing we can't do in a snatch is have a big horizontal bar displacement, right? Right, right. The bar goes forward three inches, we can't catch it. Yeah, you're right? done. So if you if you can make the bar come down in the same horizontal plane, the right horizontal plane, that's that's great. The 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 extension of the of the calf might help with that. Well, I guess the next probably helps to some degree both things. Yeah. 
so so what you know just like we talk about nutrition and all these things this stuff is individualized if you're coaching somebody um yeah it and is. yeah you get you you know your coach's eye has got to look and see what you know what works for this guy some people work well with pulling the arms a little too soon and some people work well coming up on their toes and then we can even talk about the dreaded word the shrug right and which is used right. all too often improperly probably and so these are all just things right. would you agree I would agree. Of course, I would agree. Um, and, you yeah. know, we can all think of some lifters, you know, one of the biggest ones that, that I know is Donnie Shankel, shrubs. Yeah. Way too much. Um, well, look at his traps. He uses, shrubs, he uses the shrug, but the bar higher on his hip, yeah. the McLean. And now I can get a bigger pull. Yeah. Now they lost a bigger pull. And yep. so he's in a shrug for an entirely different – a different use most people do right, very right. different very different um yeah which you know it works for him whether it does work for him is he's a very strong guy with very strong arms if you have very weak yeah. arms um that's not going to work because you're going to shrug and slightly bend your arms and then when you do the second pull it's going to straighten your arms that's not going to help at all yeah you're able to support the stress of keeping the arms bent maintaining the arm bent and the shrug while you perform the second pull, which Sonny can do, you know, so he makes it work. Awesome. So listen, Glenn, uh, Mike, we're, we're trying to keep these, uh, yeah, we're getting an close. hour. So, so I think, uh, we're Glenn, we got to have you back on in a few weeks. I mean, there's just too much information out there that we need to get from you. And it's, this has been really awesome. I, it, it kind of sucks that I, I didn't have a, I couldn't be in the, on the first part of the conversation. But let's just close with a couple questions. Uh, I just wanted to know, like, do you still keep in touch with, uh, with you know, with the original guys like Donnie and John or any of those guys? I mean, do you yes. still kind of talk to those guys once in a while? Um, um, John, John, not so much. John's very busy. Haven't talked yeah. to him for a long time. Donnie, yes. We talk to Donnie all the time. Um, okay. Travis Cooper, of course. Um, talk to Travis Cooper all the time. James Tatum, of course, I do. Um, yeah, you know, even even guys that you don't know about, like Rob McAdams, you know, way back yeah. in the Falls days, you know, I talk to him all the time. So a lot of sure. all, almost all the people like Justin Brimhall, all almost all the people that I've coached, you know, that I've built friendships with, like Donnie or Justin Brimhall or Cooper, or Tatum, yeah. I used to keep in touch with very much, very much so. Um, awesome. I, I think That's the reason I don't really on it is because. Um, He's, he's just a busy guy, and so we don't really talk very much. Yeah. I mean, I, I know I know he had a, he had a health scare. Uh, I kind of listened to him a little bit on, on his podcast or his radio show, and um, not very often, but when I can, and uh, I kind of see him on social media. It seems like he's doing a lot better, thank God. Um, how's Donnie doing? I mean, nobody even really I – don't, I don't really even know – where he's at. I, th I thought he was out of California for a while. Was he at Cal Strength for a little bit? No, he's got a, he's got a, a CrossFit gym that he has a little room in. He's coaching okay. with in that gym in San Jose. And so, okay. and so I, uh, Donnie came out to do a camp with me here last uh -huh. year. I think he's going to come out again um, this winter. And so, you know, um, but he's he's doing his own thing in, in San Jose. Um, 
Uh, Donnie's had a couple shoulder surgeries. I always yeah. told him when he was lifting, he had to learn how to miss and quit and not miss and miss 10 times. And, yeah. you know, I hate saying I told you so, but it's one of those things that, you know, I, is a constant source of problem with me and him every time yeah. I coach him because he didn't stop, you know. But this yeah. is going to haunt you. Someday these misses, man, and it did. And yeah. It, it's, he's, he's on like a second shoulder surgery, and he's getting he's, – he's still a little clean and jerk, but the snatching is kind of a no-go. Yeah. I think I can still yeah. clean and jerk 180 or 190. Um, you know, hmm. but he can't really snatch anymore, I don't think. He's, yeah. he's helpful. He's, I think he's kind of right. It's always going to be helpful. He's always thinking about this one new procedure that the doctor can do, and I'm going to be able to snatch magically. I <laughs> hate to say it, but, you know, I yeah. wish him the best. I, and I hope he can, you know. Yeah. He still, he still has – he is he has text messaged me or emailed me several times saying, I'm, I'm really doing good. I'm good. cleaning really good. I'm working really good. Things are going good. You think we can do it one more time? By what he means to go back to the world one more time, you know. Oh, right. He's still thinking. He's made the world team, I think, five times. Yeah. He's still in his thought process. Still, maybe I can make it one more time. Yeah. I wish him the best. Really wish he could. Yeah. I don't know that we'll be able to, but I would do anything to help him. You know, anything to help. Yeah. Him. I mean, I, I yeah could do it. Uh, he's a warrior, man. I mean, he's. Uh, I really enjoyed when he came out and. You know, he's definitely uh, he's definitely a character, man. He's fun to watch, fun to listen to. He's very, very intelligent guy, man. I mean, just listening to him talk, you know. Oh yeah, you know, you know, very deep. I, I you know, as I'm kind of getting to the end of writing my book, and I was just uh, kind of finishing up the chapters on on you know the, the relationship between me and Donnie, and mm-hmm. I, you know, part of the part of the things that a couple pages I had to write for that was like, you know, kind of trying to let people know, Donnie. You don't get a sense of Donnie if you just see him on social media. Because Donnie yeah. surprises everyone how smart he is. Yeah. People well, he's a former Marine, Marine, you know. He's a, he's a former well, they Marine. Think, <laughs> they think he's just they got that Louisiana drawl and the accent and everything. They expect yeah. something very different. He's a yeah. very, very – I think that's why Donnie and I got along real, real good, but he's a very – he reads, like, philosophy books, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, when I get on a phone, I think this is one of the well, one of the lines I, I wrote in the book. People would be astounded to know that when Diane and I talk on the phone, we are just as likely to just be discussing um, Ayn Rand as we are discussing snatching. Wow! You know, because Donnie really, really likes philosophy and is is very intelligent and very well well versed on a lot of different things in the world. He likes to read the yeah. classics. You know, yeah. uh, he just likes. Tons of stuff, and people think of him as just a weightlifter guy. Yeah, he's, he's a not, renaissance you know, man. He's a, smart he's a renaissance man yeah. in the truest sense. That's why I put it private. Yeah, yeah. And so he's a very nice cool, guy. very cool. All right, well, listen, we're going to wrap this up. A couple things though, I want to talk is uh, I want to, uh, you know, Glenn, just tell us a little bit about the Penlay Wad, and I think now you're on Train Heretic, and uh, you got an yeah. excellent program that people need to know about. Yeah, let us um, know how we can find you, Glenn. We got to get some people to to follow you here and see what's going on in your life. So yeah, well, tell, us uh, about, tell us about the Penlay Wad and how to get in touch with you and your contact information and all that stuff. You know, if my contact information, the best way to contact me is email, glennpinlay at gmail.com. That's with two N's, uh, Glenn with two N's. Two N's. 
then P-E-N-D-L-A-Y at gmail.com. Um, and then I just have a, uh, my training program now is up on Trainer Rook. It's three bucks a month. And that's a, a very good combination of weightlifting stuff. Um, especially just weightlifting programs. So it's a very good combination of static and jerk and squatting and deadlifting. Strength and nice. technique. That's awesome. Very good. That's awesome. Are you still are you still doing any kind of like conditioning workouts on there as well? Because at one time I was helping you out with the uh, conditioning pieces. You do. Some people. I still have um, a program that does the conditioning. I have right. a five day a week program for weightlifting. Then mm -hmm. I have a three day a week program for weightlifting. Then I have a four day a week that includes conditioning. Awesome. So. If anybody wants to get better at weightlifting and at the same time keep up on their conditioning, CrossFit type stuff, high intensity, then you got the, you got the program out there. That's awesome. Right. On Train Heroic too, at three dollars a month, man. Learning from Glenn Penley is is a bargain all day long. Yeah, all day long. That's it's crazy. So um, yeah, we didn't get to talk about a lot of stuff, so we're definitely have to going to get you back on. I mean, I wanted to talk about. I know a while back it, you, you also had a little health scare and you know, you, you're like, and I mean, obviously you're in healthy condition now and you're back on track and turned your life around. You got married, you got a lot of stuff going on. seems like you're in a really, really good place now. And, um, I don't know if I missed the whole uh, story with, uh, you know, we, we got to the cow strength. I didn't know if you guys talked about when you went out to muscle driver and then what happened there. And then well, we talked yeah, we we about muscle driver. No, we, we touched on it a tiny though. bit, but we could do that next time for sure. I think uh, Glenn yeah, is definitely – got to put him on the list to bring him back on yeah. for sure. For sure. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, we're at our – we're at our uh, – you know, we're at our time limit, so we're going to have to say goodbye for now. But like I said, we'll def Glenn, I'll definitely be in touch, and hopefully you'll have enough time. I know you're a busy guy to get back on our uh, – podcast i know also if anybody wants to reach out to glenn penley at gmail.com he does these incredible seminars that you know you can actually invite him over to your gym and you know you'll get a lot of people coming in and he'll teach you some uh clean and jerk and snatch technique that will i i mean every time you came to my gym glenn people were hitting prs baby so it was uh it was awesome good stuff, good stuff. awesome so, this was a great podcast, man. We really appreciate you coming on, Glenn, man. You, a lot of knowledge, and we're definitely going to bring you back on again right. if you're willing to do it. Oh, yeah, I am, definitely. Thank you, All guys. Right. Awesome. Thank All you, All right, Glenn. buddy. All right, we're going to say goodbye, and I uh, hope everybody enjoyed the podcast. And we got plenty of more good, good uh, people coming on to share the knowledge. And uh, that's, that's a wrap, guys. Have a good one. All right. All right, Thanks. guys. Bye-bye.